Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Overgrown Third Graders podcast. And tonight's guest is the man, the myth, the legend, James Zahn. James Zahn, the editor-in-chief of The Toy Book, senior <laughs> editor of the Popsa Insider and The Toy Insider. So this is a very special podcast. I'm happy to have him on. Uh, him and I have exchanged messages via LinkedIn over mm -hmm. the past few years, I believe. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to have him on. Todd, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, I found something fun out this afternoon. I found out, do you know what a, a pineapple and olive pizza is called? Do you know this? No. It's called a Deadpool pizza. I guess he orders a pineapple and olive pizza in Deadpool. That's been my thing forever. Back, you know, especially since I've been a vegetarian for 20 years, like that's an easy one to go to. I hate mushrooms. I've added artichoke, on, artichoke hearts on over the years, but a pineapple and olive pizza is a Deadpool pizza. It's a great find. And I'm going to have to go back and watch Deadpool now to make sure to confirm that. But A Deadpool yep. pizza. Okay. Because yep. so. I guess the big rave right now is um, people doing pickle pizzas. Yeah, no, I'm not a pickle fan, so. Oh, I'm no definitely gonna be trying that on. I'm gonna be trying that on the Traeger. Oh, jeez. <clears throat> yeah, so I wonder if you were to order a Deadpool pizza from Roundtable, would they know? I, I don't know. Could be a Pizza hmm. Hut thing. I, don't, I have no clue. Little Caesars. <laughs> hey, you, you, you come to my backyard. I can make you a Deadpool pizza on the Traeger. Sounds mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, let's no more pizza. All right, pizza. let's bring our special guest. I'm excited to have him on. Everybody, clap your hands for Mr. James on. So let's bring him on. Hey, up, what's up, guys? What's up? How are you? How are you? I'm good. I am good. How was the workload? How was the workload today? It was uh, yeah. it was a very busy day. Wednesday is our day for, uh, well, usually it's staff meetings and things. And I get the toy report ready, which is the Thursday morning newsletter that we send out. But uh, today I've actually I've spent much of my day interviewing potential candidates uh, for a new hire position. So it was, it was right. an administrative day. Let's put it that way. Okay. Nothing wrong with administrative days. <laughs> no, I recognize that background from the internet. Do it's you? And it's the background. Yeah. It is the background. It is real. It is not a green screen. So there are <laughs> there are toys here. Um and uh it's kind of funny because when I set this area up, uh I thought I was going with the rustic sort of mm -hmm. old-timey toy factory thing and then um I inadvertently realized I think I built the Funko booth in my house. If you've ever <laughs> been to a trade show, they've got, they've always got the wooden background and the, the pipe yeah. shelving. And I'm like, I built the Funko booth. So. That's awesome. Yeah. That's very awesome. We're going to get to your collecting here in a little bit. I'm really curious to know how you ended up where you're at today. You've got like a dream job playing around writing about the toy industry in a variety of different outlets, but if I got this right, you also start. You have your own website, The Rock Father, which you get into mm -hmm. pop culture, music. You got a whole reason behind all that, and 
turn into a website after it started out as a blog, which is really awesome. Mm -hmm. Yep. Did you go to journalism school? Did you, how did you get started or end up in this crazy business of journalism? So if you spin it back uh, 31 years, so 1992, um, I, uh, I, so I, I live in Illinois now and I've lived in Illinois most of my life, except for four years where I lived in Iowa, in the Quad Cities. And 1992, I had moved out there and... I was basically a, a bored kid in a new place, and I started doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I had a cable access show, oh, interviewed cool. bands, uh, sort of started that way. In high school, I was on the yearbook and the newspaper and all of that, so I was writing. And then I parlayed that into writing for a print music rag basically that was like a, a black and white newsprint uh zine uh, you know that mm -hmm. thing in the early 90s called it was called oil the music tabloid and then they then they dropped tabloid and they called it oil the music magazine it was based out of moline illinois and then i went from there and i wrote for a similar competitive publication called Slowfish, which is out of rock island illinois quad cities straddles the Mississippi River, and okay. then the guy that the guy that created Slowfish uh, went across the river to Davenport, which is where I was living, and started a publication called the River Cities Reader, which actually still exists to this day. So I sort of became their music guy, and was writing a ton of stuff, interviews, reviews, all of that. Started dabbling in photography. Got to. Uh, go shoot Lollapalooza in 1993 in Des Moines. Um, I was still in high school at the time. So I was also uh, playing in a band myself, still doing my cable access show. We did 40 half hour episodes of the cable access show. And I was actually able to convince large record labels and management firms to allow Faith No More, Stone Temple Pilots, Megadeth to come on my cable access show what? and talk to a 15-year-old kid. So what? Uh, from there, I um, wanted to go to University of Iowa. That was not in the cards. I went to a community college in Iowa. I did not finish. At the time, I was um, still doing a ton of writing. But I was playing in a band and doing other things. So it kind of led to this whole entertainment thing. But then I had, in the late 90s, early 2000s, what I call my corporate detour phase. And <laughs> I, was still, I was still writing. I was still playing music. But um, I fell into the retail side of things and discovered I was, at the time, very good with it. So 1996, Tickle Me Elmo came out it was the huge craze and it was the same year that jingle all the way came out and art imitating life imitating art however you want to put it um i was there on the ground floor uh black friday watching old ladies come in and club people over the head for tickle me elmo so that it was sort of like uh feet to the fire on seeing the retail side of the toy industry and then i went on to um, manage large stores and work on the corporate level, um, building super centers and things. And uh, then I decided, you know what? 
this isn't for me. I'm going to go back to school. So I went to film school and uh, started oh, cool. to pursue my my uh, on-camera endeavors again, both in front of and behind, uh, directing short films, learning screenwriting, learning editing, but still, still working. And I ended up working for Musicland Group and uh in their sam goody division and again it's sort of this like weird snowball where we're selling collectibles you know like that was early like um stocking neca stuff like the the movie movie maniacs i think was the thing or maybe that was mcfarland at the time but you know all of those companies were starting to rise up at the time and we were stocking that stuff between sam goody musicland the suncoast stores and I actually, I got to represent various pieces of the company at our uh, annual meetings in Las Vegas, Caesars Palace, and uh, still had the music industry thing happening alongside the creative stuff I was working on. And then 2004 comes along and I put in my notice and I still have, you know, these corporations, you have to fill out the exit interview and I still have mm-hmm. mine. And it says, uh, do you have a job lined up? My answer was no. And uh, it says, what are you planning to do? And I said, I'm going to work in movies. And I did. Um, I, I did go on and I, I worked in movies and uh, got an agent. And I was in commercials for things like Wendy's. And um, <laughs> it, it was it was weird. It was a ride, let me tell you. And uh, playing in bands and directing music videos. But at the same time, I just had this thing for toys that was sort of intersecting with all of this. So I started doing some consulting and then uh, I went to work for Fangoria magazine and Starlog. If you remember, Fangoria is still around under different ownership. Starlog is not. But I went to work for them as director of new media for a few years. And again, the rock and roll thing coming in. Worked mm-hmm. on a big event with Slipknot that we put on in Las oh. Vegas called Trinity of Terrors. It was three days. They're from, they're of from music. Iowa, right? Yes, but three days of movies, music, and the macabre. We put on this big thing at the at uh, the Palms and uh, the Pearl Ballroom, and uh, it, you know, movies and music and collectibles and publishing. It's just all coming together in this weird snowball, and. Uh, then eventually my wife and I had our first kid and that's where the rock father name came from. And I was still just doing a ton with publishing. I started to take a greater interest in toys and family entertainment. And I built my own publication, but at the same time I was doing a lot of hired gun work for other people. Um, I did some work for PBS kids for Sprout, which was NBC Universal. Now that's Discovery Kids. I was writing content for them. Um, I did some freelance stuff for Netflix that they placed on Pop Sugar. Um, and as I was growing, I guess, my reputation within the toy community, I ended up on the radar of Adventure Media and Events, which is the company that owns the toy book, the Toy Insider, and the Bop Insider. And okay. seven years ago, I came on on a contract basis and started doing some work. And eventually they they finally said, hey, you know, would you come on here full time? So uh, we talked about it for a bit. I came in as a senior editor. 
Then I became a deputy editor, and then eventually I got the keys and became editor in chief of the toy book. So uh, all while building uh, relationships with a ton of different toy companies, doing different things, still pursuing different creative outlets. But at this point, uh, the ins and outs of the business, I, I breathe this stuff. I, I probably work 60, 70 hours a week doing it, and um, but I love it. Yeah, so I was going to ask if that, you actually, if you, if you got any sleep version. ever. <laughs> uh, you know, I tend to be the, uh, in our house, I'm the first guy up in the morning and I'm the last guy to go to bed. Uh, I'm the only guy, technically, because I have a, a <laughs> wife, two daughters, and a and a little girl puppy, too. But um, it, uh, it's a ton of fun. And we what we get to do on a daily basis, I think, has a lot of value for people. And I think it's a testament to the company because um, for those that don't know, the toy book has been around for almost 40 years. Um, it was actually the company itself was started in the early 80s by our current CEO's dad. And the toy book came around in 1984. The first issue was actually oh. in print at Toy Fair in New York in 85. And on February 28th here, we're going to launch volume 39, issue number one. So we're coming up on a 40th anniversary of this print magazine that has grown to become the leading publication covering the toy and game industry in North America. That is so awesome. Congratulations, though. I mean, seriously, that that's an awesome trek that you've had to get to where you're at now. I've been... I went to Chico State here in California, journalism major. I've been through all of it. Very little corporate aspects, but I, I know the ins and outs of the crazy journalism world, especially in print media and in, well, in TV too. So it's not easy, but to make a career out of it, that's a great job. And to have as many different uh, hands in different jars that you have, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And Honestly, too, I mean, for anybody that's thinking about doing something, I can't stress enough. Put in the work, put in the hours, do your thing. Don't let anybody give you crap. Just make it happen. And you got to be good to people, um, but you got to stick with your guns. And, you know, I, I try to get a little bit better every day myself. And I'm lucky to work with some great people and be able to do some uh, really cool things. Oh, that's awesome. What do you have, Carlos? So um, you were previously talking about, like, obviously your history and film and stuff. And I know um, you've been in background characters and in Prison Break, which is funny because I remember watching the episode and I was <laughs> like, I know that guy. <laughs> and then um, you were... And Ocean's 12, which I remember seeing in that too. And then Roll Balance, which I I don't remember. I've I don't think I, I – so those, those were straight up extra and day player gigs. Um, and I'll tell you the Ocean's 12 story because I still think it's kind of funny to this day. And it was a, uh, it was a precursor to me leaving the corporate world. Hmm. I was actually sitting in a boardroom – at a regional meeting for Sam Goody and my phone, the old school flip phone, you know, 
We're talking 2004 here. Rings. And it was a casting director that I had met with like once upon a time for something. And they're like, oh, we, we have, you know, one line. Um, Ocean's 12. We're filming at the Green Mill, which is a jazz club in Chicago. Uh, can you be here at three o'clock today? And I was like, mm, well, you know what? I'm sitting in this board meeting. Uh, I had an emergency. I had to leave. So I left and uh, <laughs> drove to uh, Chicago, drove straight there from uh, the place, uh, went through wardrobe, did my thing, was placed at the bar. Um, there was supposed to be a bit where I said, I don't know. It got cut from the movie. And then the irony there is that there were actually two bartenders in that scene. And I ended up being the one that was only blurry in the background and was <laughs> in one still from the movie that they released. But, you know, I chalk it up to a, a fun experience where I made a couple hundred bucks in an evening, uh, got to meet Andy Garcia and Steven Soderbergh. Okay. And wow. it was really just uh, something to do. And you mentioned prison break. Prison Break, I would say, would be like um, the weirdest nine to five I ever had, um, because that was December of 2004. They filmed the pilot in Joliet, Illinois. Uh, I had auditioned to play, funny enough, uh, the character of Teabag that Robert Nepper ended up playing. I had auditioned for that role. I didn't get it. They needed a ton of background players, day players, extras to be the crew of regular inmates and regular corrections officers. So for the pilot of that show, I actually got to meet Brett Ratner. He directed the pilot. Um, he came in and um, it was a ton of fun. There were people in and out of that set. It was like a big spectacle. We were shooting at the prison that was used in the Blues Brothers. Uh, tons of fun. Shot it uh, over the course of like two weeks in December. Went about my business, did other things. About six months later, they're like, hey, this show got picked up. We'd like you to be part of the, the crew for this. So I was an inmate in know, like four or six episodes, something like that. Oh, but that's cool. I got some good good screen time with uh, no dialogue. But again, that led into me getting an agent and doing things like the Wendy's commercial and a couple of small features and stuff. So, But that was all, all overlapping doing publishing and other endeavors. So kind of layered. Yeah. That's, that's interesting how that, all that, how all that panned out. <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. <clears throat> just funny because the prison break show is one of my sister's all time favorite shows. And I just, I remember watching the pilot and then started getting into it. And um, <clears throat> my sister was just like, would text me all the time. Like, Hey, did you watch this week's episode? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm all to pay attention to like this, you know, scene. I'm all, I, I don't know him personally, but I've, you know, talked to him through LinkedIn at one point and she was like, Oh really? <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, yeah. And I'm all, that's as much as I know. <laughs> so I had long it hair. Just cool. It was mm -hmm. long hair. It was dyed black. Um, I got injured shooting the riot scene. In, oh, wow. I think it was the second episode. They were, um, there was a riot and they were shooting with uh, smoke bombs, motion picture effects. And the first couple takes we did were, were just sort of like dummies, you know, a little bit of uh, smoke and fog here. 
But on the very last take, the the prison, if you remember, the cell block was like three levels. Right. And they had us placed in different spots, and it was just supposed to be chaos. But it's like, all right, row two, you're running this way. Row three, you're doing this, whatever. So I was on the second second level, and director yelled action. I went booking across. The stunt guy throws the smoke bomb up, which this is like a lit grenade, you know, thousands of degrees or something. And instead of landing <laughs> on the third level like it was supposed to it actually hit that like overhang below it and ricocheted off and went smack in the back of my head oh jeez burning so i run through we we complete the take and i go like this and it's a handful of hair oh it just like burned the back of my head um but so i went to the hospital got patched back up and was on set again the next morning you got michael jackson huh (laughs) <laughs> uh, not as extreme, you know. Luckily, okay, there was no okay. Jerry curl happening, and certainly no Pepsi. No Pepsi on the set. No Pepsi. No. Damn, man. I mean, they're not a sponsor of this podcast, so just. No, <laughs> 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 oh, there you go, PepsiCo. <laughs> Perfect. Diet Mountain Dew, the official <laughs> beverage, of the Overgrown Third Graders podcast. It will take it. Oh, I like it. That sounds good. There you go. I like it. <clears throat> I mean, eventually we'll get there. Um, I thought I thought it was Sierra Nevada. <laughs> Sierra Nevada. There you go. I I'm double fist. I'm double fisted. I got nice. the cold with with the Mountain Dew. I got the hot with the Black Rifle coffee. So I'm like, there you, there go. you go. Totally. You know, you're, amped you're up. jacked up. Yeah, jacked up. Jacked I gotta up be. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some. I'm gonna do some work when we're done with this. I mean, it's there only eight twenty-one here. I still got a good couple hours left. Exactly. That's true. That's very, very true. Did you ever come across a young Slipknot back in the Iowa days, or was the, are you just a little bit ahead of them? I would say just a little bit ahead of them. So yeah. I was playing in a band in the mid '90s that may have played some of the same places. But it was after I had already moved back to Illinois, but I would go back to Iowa to play like there was a place in Iowa City we used to play called Gabe's, which I think is still around. And um, in the Quad Cities, there's another place that I know is still around called the Rock Island Brewing Company, Ribco. Um, We had uh, played there a bunch of times and I would see the name sometimes on flyers Mm -hmm. and stuff. But I think it was when they were just starting to come up. and yeah, what a thing that was! But fun crew, I like them. The uh, funny enough, my uh, my little kids are starting to get into them a little bit. I nice, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I've never seen them live. That's one I've always wanted to see, though. Just nowadays, I would stay out of the mosh pit for sure. <laughs> I would too. Um, I'm I'm definitely not in any shape to go mosh pitting. I would say that. Um, you want to talk old school and mosh pits, and I was right down in there. Um, two most hardcore pits I was ever in. The mm-hmm. one should be no surprise Slayer in a club okay. show, warming mm-hmm. up for their tour. I want to say 94 or 95. It was like it was like a precursor show at the Coliseum Ballroom in Davenport, but that was I mean, that was one of those atypical 
like dudes have the shirt off doing the kicks and mm-hmm. just beating each right. other. Um, the other one that was a tremendously violent pit, Green Day. Oh, really? Yes. Cannot explain it. Um, huh. Arena show uh, okay. at the Mark of the Quad Cities, which I think is called something else now. But it was one of those things where like it's the bowl. It's like a basketball arena. Mm-hmm. And everybody sort of filtered down into the general admission area that would have been on the playing field. And there were too many people. People were getting beat up, pulled out on stretchers, bloody, couldn't breathe, just absolute chaos for the for the pop punk spectacle. Huh. I would never I mean, I've been to a lot of Green Day shows and they get pretty bad, but and man, that's crazy. Yeah, they were playing with a band called the Riverdales that I remember being oh, yeah. very much like almost like a Ramones type of thing. Right, yeah. <clears throat> I think the worst pit I've ever been in is probably AFI. Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah, like, Interesting. So back, in, well, we live in Northern California, so Chico, uh, California is a big college town. It's about an yeah. hour and 15 minutes away. So there used to be this little club called the Brickworks that all the bands, all the big bands were, that were coming up basically mm-hmm. or independent labels would come there because it's a college mm-hmm. job. AFI played there, I don't know, a handful of times. And this is right when, i trying to remember, Black Cells and the Sunset set broke and they were going into Days of the Phoenix when they signed to their major label. So it was in that transition. And this is like one of the, I think this might have been one of the last shows before they moved into arenas. And it was the most craziest time I've ever had. It was the most funnest. I was scared to death because I thought I was going to die because this place is... I don't remember how many it held. I want to say under a hundred people. It, it no, was a pretty no. cool, um, Brickworks. Brickworks was about five hundred max. Was it? Yeah, see, yeah, because it's because it was two layers, two levels. Yeah. We wanted up <laughs> upstairs. Yeah, it, it was pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, that was the most fun I had. Uh, Davey Havoc, like everyone had their hands up, and he was basically looked like he was walking on water because he was just walking everyone's hands. It was oh, not. But yeah, that was probably the craziest and scariest uh, mosh pit I've ever been in, and I'll never do that again. <laughs> I see somebody here mentions uh, Rage. Um, uh, I, I'm fortunate to have seen Rage in the heyday a couple times, nice. like '93, '94 era. Early Rage. Okay, good. Bulls on Parade style. No, before that. Yeah, before that would have been like '96, yeah, yeah. right? Yes, yeah, nice. Uh, Evil Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know we were going to be doing a music show tonight. Hey, <laughs> hey we do. We, we cover go. all bases here. <laughs> we just do toys and stuff. Oh, yeah. But I mean, we'll get into toys. Um, Ra- yeah, Rage, Rage was mine though. Rage was in Sacramento at the Arco Arena. Uh, R.I.P. Arco Arena just got torn down a few months ago. I just found that out. Mm. Uh, I was on the edge of that one. I, I made sure to stay out of it though. <laughs> But Rage was amazing live the two times I saw them. The one band I've never seen that I've always wanted to see live. Never happened. Rage? Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. funny enough, where I live here in Illinois, Tom Morello's from like uh, one town over. And mm-hmm. I, be- I believe his mom still lives there. Uh, oh, wow. Occasionally, he hear of the sightings, you know? Oh, I bet. Tom Morello was around. <laughs> Like a ghost or something. Um, there's a 
There's actually quite a quite a few bands that uh, came from this general vicinity where I'm at. Uh, Chevelle was uh, essentially oh. from right down the street. Okay. Um, local local H was like two towns over. Um, there's there's quite a few of them. Must be something in the water in northern Illinois. This little cluster of Lake County here. Um, lots of people ended up slinging guitars for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, because you have like Rise Against. I think it's from Chicago, or maybe I don't remember. But I don't yeah, know from- they are. I I actually uh, recorded a an EP in two thousand four with uh, Rise Against old guitar player Dan Precision. Engineer oh wow! At a place called called the Bomb Shelter in Park Ridge, Illinois. Ah, interesting. Interesting. Somehow I have like a. Little degrees of separation from bizarre things. So awesome. anecdotes, they're everywhere. So was Scott Wyland on your uh, public access show? Was it all so, hotel pilots? So I have some really cool pictures of Wyland. Um, but Eric really? Kretz, the drummer from Stone Temple mm-hmm. Pilots, and Dean DeLeo, the guitarist, mm-hmm. were technically on the show. Okay. But Scott Wyland was just off camera. Um, let's say that he was enjoying some herbal refreshment <laughs> out of a uh, soda can. Let's put Love it that it. way. That is awesome. Um, my so my story about that, and actually, that was thirty years ago last month because um, Stone Temple Pilots was on tour with Megadeth, which doesn't sound like the right pairing, but it no, was. No. Um, Flush had just come out. I was set to interview Dave Mustaine from Megadeth in Mm -hmm. January of 93. And we were outside the the venue, which was the Palmer Auditorium. I don't think they do shows anymore. It was uh, Palmer Chiropractic College. Um, But they had a basketball arena where they had a lot of bands come in, like Alice in Chains played there. I saw White Zombie there a couple times. Um but Megadeth was there. We were, uh, me and one of my buddies, we were supposed to be there early, check in, meet the Megadeth guys. Well, what ended up happening, uh, we're standing outside behind this place with a locked door and a car rolls up and this little dude with short clipped bright red hair and sunglasses gets out holding all of his belongings in a black hefty bag. And the guy walks up to us and goes, hey, uh, you guys know how to get into this place? And I'm just like, are you Scott Wyland? (laughs) Yes, I am. And Core had just come out, I mean, fairly recently. Um, I think Plush was the newest video at the time. Um, And um, it ended up being really cool. So what ended up happening was their tour manager approached us when we were done with Megadeth and was like, hey, do you want to talk to Stoneville Pilots? And me being very green as a kid that had only been interviewing bands for a short period of time, right. said, oh, well, I don't have permission from their record label or whatever. And he's like, no, I'm giving you permission. So um, we ended up in what was their dressing room, which was the ladies' locker room at the auditorium. And... Um, Robert and uh, Robert DeLeo, the bass player, and uh, Scott Weiland stayed behind the camera while we talked to Eric and Dean. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And I think there's clips actually on YouTube somewhere. That's awesome. I know there's Megadeth clips on YouTube. 
The the interview with me and Dave Mustaine in 1993 is on YouTube. Terrible cool. audio, but it exists. <laughs> Did you put it up on YouTube though? Um, I may have a long time okay. ago. I'd have to see which account. I mean, we're talking a decade probably or more. Right. Um, if I were going to do it now, I'd try to rescue it and clean up the. I'd try to clean up the audio with modern technology. I see we got somebody else uh, saying hello here. We got Mega Demon Collects. We got JMC Collects and EC Collects. We get a lot of Collects. Oh, what's up, guys? Yeah, we do. We do. I mean, T3 so... Collects, of course, is here. But yeah, I'm just looking at all these uh, collectors. And we got Kiwi. That, that yeah. Kiwi's out there. Oh, nice. What's up, guys? <clears throat> the uh, toy community, everyone has taken names or and everyone's just like well i guess we're just collects now so <laughs> not me i keep hey, saying why does your sound familiar <laughs> i don't know i don't know why my name sounds familiar you no can idea. uh google his name and you'll see and you'll be like oh okay that's <laughs> what happens yeah so part of our it, what happens now that's uh, that can be a little bit weird is so in addition to doing our, our magazines and stuff there's about yeah. eight of us on the team that do a ton of TV. So um, combined, we did more than 400 TV segments last year. Alone. Wow. Um, now, now, is that is that internet TV or is that just all TV involved? Like all That's media? all TV. So, uh, cool. so what we will do is um, we're connected. So we have, a, we have a PR team that works for us uh, all, all year round. And they kind of keep track of everything. But depending on what's going on, um, our team does like the big morning shows like the Today Show, Good Morning America, mm -hmm. um, right down to all of like the regional and local affiliates and stuff. Uh, a lot of the business segments fall in my lap. So I'll do like CNBC. Mm -hmm. um, I did just did uh, CGTN, which is uh, Global China Television. Uh, BBC World News, Yahoo Finance, a lot of a lot of that business side stuff I end up taking. And then when we really get into like the holiday season and everything where we, we put on like the consumer facing hat, so to speak, and we do a lot of uh, stuff where we're showing off new toys and stuff, because what a lot of people uh, may not know, and I'm, I'm kind of steering our conversation towards toys, I guess. Um, so the toy book, <laughs> this is actually this is last year's big toy book was from february february 2022 this is 316 pages of toy goodness the toy book is designed for the trade so we're talking retailers manufacturers distributors licensors anybody in the toy industry and of course people that are interested in it as well can get a subscription to the toy book but this is the trade this is what's been around since 1984 on the consumer side the toy insider which i have here we do, this is for moms and dads, grandparents, aunts and uncles, anybody buying gifts, buying toys for kids to play with that wants honest, unbiased third-party recommendations and reviews. That's what the Toy Insider is all about. And then in 2018, so Toy Insider has been around about 17 years, I think. Um, and then Pop Insider launched in 2018. And this is all your pop culture, um, I guess it was ahead of the curve, adult stuff. 
licensed okay. merch, <laughs> fandom, apparel, <clears throat> high-end collectibles. Um, that's in here. So we publish this one three times a year. Toy Book comes out six times a year. Toy Insider and Print comes out in the holidays for the gift guide. And then, uh, of course, we do stuff online 24-7 and then all the TV and stuff. So, um, so the, yeah, it, it the is. Toy Insider is aimed towards the younger, I guess, generation, like what, ages it's, from two it, to the. Now, it's not, it's definitely not aimed towards a kid audience. Okay. Um, we cover, we cover things starting at birth on Toy Insider. Okay. But, uh, so, so you can say, you know, infant toys, baby toys, they're all there. But Toy Insider is really geared toward gift givers. So you're talking yeah. moms, dads, grandparents, aunts and uncles, friends, anybody with kids in their life that are buying toys for those kids. Uh, the Toy Insider is actually the leading consumer resource at this point for new toys, games and kids entertainment. Wow. Okay. And then the pop insider, like you said, so 2018, that's more like the collectibles, which, you know, all the adult collectors, I feel like um, in what, 2019, 2020, kind of uh, came out of the woodworks because COVID happened and no one had yep. to do anything. And everyone started collecting everything. Like, for instance, uh, Beastie or Todd, he's into sports cars, trading cards, and that hit a huge boom, like out of nowhere, I feel like, because mm -hmm. Like no one, I, I used to collect cards when I was younger, and then I just was like, "Yeah, this kind of out." And then I got into comic books, and then pretty much all my life from childhood to now, I've I've collected toys, so that's always stuck with me. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, the uh, so the adult collectors just pretty much it's all nostalgia, basically. That's where all the adult collectors came out. Uh, of the woodworks basically from that era, uh, that COVID, I guess, era. I think we call it the COVID era. So, uh, so that's yeah, what that's all geared towards. Yeah, it was certainly a boom. And at this point, for the not just the pop insider, but for the toy book, mm -hmm. um, the adult collector is a huge part of the business. And it had been a part of the business. The thing is, the adult collector is nothing new, it's been around forever. People have always collected things. And as I always say, it, if something exists, someone will collect it. Um, people are out there they're always doing it. But it was more of like a, um, it was almost like an underground thing where it was like, oh, mm -hmm. there's the guys raiding the Hot Wheels at the store or, you know, somebody's looking for the action figures or whatnot. But right. it wasn't really until like the last like five, ten years that the toy industry really started taking notice of the adult collector as a legitimate market. And that's where you started to see a lot of companies that weren't necessarily targeting adults start to turn that way. And I think uh, one of the companies that was really ahead of the game would have been Lego. And uh, they okay. launched an ad campaign two years ago called Adults Welcome. And that's where you see all of these like 18 plus um Lego sets coming out. And then, of course, you have other competitors in that space, uh -huh. like Mattel has Mega, and mm -hmm. uh, there's a few other um, smaller brick companies, like the Atom Brick is one, um, that are creating things for adult builders. And then, at the same time, we've always had these companies that have been in the background, like NECA, Super 7, McFarlane, mm -hmm. that have been around now for 
decades, but they're sort of mainstream now. More people know about those companies. Um, and part of that is because they have bigger distribution now. You know, five years ago, you weren't going to go into Target or Walmart and find a huge, you know, fandom aisle or anything. True. That is a relatively new thing for the business. But the latest numbers that came out from the NPD group that does all of the retail tracking uh, is that the adult collector, which they do, they do have a number on this. It's they consider this market to be ages 12 and up. You would think 18 and up, but it's 12 and up okay. because if you think yeah. in terms of traditional toys, there was a time when kids hit about 12 and they were too cool for toys. They sort of stopped buying in there. So the toy industry was sort of that zero to 12 and then 18 and up. But now there's also a growing tween and teen market that was sort of ignored. And I think we're like last year was the big year of talking about the kidults. I think this year is going to be where we start to hear more about the tweens and teens because okay. they're starting to get enthused. And part of that, believe it or not, is anime. Um, I actually right. just got a box from Playmobil with all of their uh, Naruto figures that have come out. Um, they're they're really going after some new markets. So now there's less of like kids grow out of toys and then maybe they come back as a collector. There's sort of something for every age mm -hmm. as you're you're rolling around. So NPD Group believes that 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 adult collector represents about $9 billion a year in the U.S., which would be 25% of the total industry. Wow. So I believe that there are, that and there are, sense. there are different ways of looking at that. I look at it uh, as like, that's maybe not, there's, there's certainly nothing wrong with adult collectors. It's great that people are out there having fun, building their collections, enjoying what they're doing. But at the same time, I think it should be a little bit of a warning for the industry that they need to be focused on developing really, really exciting new products for kids now. Because if if you just pull this back and, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a morbid thought, but like kid adults now, a lot of them are people that are 40, 50, 60 years old. There's right. a shelf life on that audience and the nostalgia that that audience has for things that are 20, 30, 40 years old. So to have adults decades from now, they have to have something now that they're interested in as kids that they're going to want to collect when they're adults um, or True. other things that continue to uh, kind of spark that interest, you know, like a Lego, like a building set or something. But it's definitely an evolution. And I think that um, the industry as a whole should not lose sight of the fact that kids are still the root of the toy business and they mm -hmm. need to be that focus to carry the entire thing into the future. But certainly, you know, hey, if there's people out there that want cool stuff, absolutely make it for them. But make sure you're not losing sight of what can carry the industry decades from now. I totally agree. Totally agree. I mm -hmm. there's nothing that you can't disagree with that. That's spot on. Um, where do you see like? Because right now we're in this. Um, I don't know. 
I'd say like nostalgia era where like all these toy companies mm-hmm. are from Playmates re-releasing Ninja Turtles again. Um, you got Hasbro re-releasing these. Now they're called Marvel Legends, but they were just three and three quarter inch figures back yep. in the day. I think it was Secret Wars was three and three quarter inch back then. I don't remember yep. now. But all these companies are doing the nostalgia thing. Do you think that's going to last for a long time or do you think it's going to go away? I don't think it's ever going to go away, but I do think it's going to contract. And there's a mm-hmm. there's a variety of reasons for that. Um, first of all, you can only have too much of one thing. We've seen how lines are on fire and then they kind of peter out. Mm-hmm. And then they retreat for a little while. And then either the company relaunches them three, four, five years from now. Or someone else picks up the license, starts from scratch, does their own thing. Um, the biggest concern right now in 2023 is that people are spending $30 on an action figure, which, um, is about the average price. Um, Hasbro specifically, you know, we've seen any of their six inch figures go from 1999 to 22 to 24 to 27. Now, some of them are over 30. I, uh, I think one of the Boba Fett's at Target was like thirty three ninety nine. Yeah, um, there's not a ton of differentiation between many of them, aside from the way that they're packaged and stuff. But there is an interesting duality going on where, if you look at this, and you and you've probably heard because there are people in this space that that are vocal about it and will tell you, like oh, Todd yeah. McFarlane or Brian Flynn. <laughs> Um, the private companies can make their stuff cheaper because they're not answering to Wall Street. So they don't have the overhead and they don't have shareholders that they have to keep talking to. So um, back in our our November issue of the toy book, uh, I penned a feature for that called Collectibles Evolution. And I brought in Jonathan from the Loyal Subjects, Brian from Super 7, um, Todd McFarlane, um, Jay Foreman from Basic Fun, which you don't necessarily think of Basic Fun as being in the collectible space, but they are. Um, and they're going to be more so, which you will see some months from now. Um, but those guys came together and we had a chat about some of this where um, the business is evolving. What is a collectible is evolving the innovation in the space or the lack thereof and how one company is selling you a six inch figure for 30 bucks and another can sell it to you for 15. Um, There's a lot of factors that go, that Mm -hmm. goes into this. Um, So I think it's fascinating, but I do think we're like very, very close to a little bit of a bust on certain lines until those costs get pulled back in. Because again, you got to look at like, are who are who are you going for here? Are, are you going for kids and collectors, or are you going straight up collector? And there's sort of no middle ground. And I, I do think I do think when it comes to companies doing a good middle ground, I actually think Loyal Subjects is really good on that. If you yeah. look at what they do with their Turtles line, and my running. My running joke is TMNT is too many Ninja Turtles because everybody's <laughs> making Ninja Turtles. <laughs> That's and so what, kind, 
Which kind are you going to get? Uh, what I think is interesting about the loyal subjects line, and I, I really like the Playmates stuff. And believe me, Playmates has some stuff coming out this year that's going to blow your mind, I think. But um, the loyal subjects is like affordable enough, but feature packed enough that, oh, there you go, the Superama, yep. where you don't feel bad buying it for a kid that's going to crash and bash it and have fun and play with it like the action figures are made for. But if you're a collector, you can, you know, do your thing. I've actually, I've got this big boy right next to me right now. Oh, um, that's beautiful. Nice. Have you seen him yet? This is. The, I have uh, not Excel. seen it. Um, uh, I've not seen it in person. So, uh, you know, this. Colin, is, have you seen uh, it? <laughs> pretty impressive. Um, yeah. So, um, and I will be opening him soon. I open my stuff. So, um, but they're making stuff that bridges that gap. A kid can play with it. Collector will dig it on their shelf. And, uh, you know, with this too, with the XL, um, it's still got all of the features you want and everything, but, uh, I had actually just gotten this guy, which is why he's not out of his package yet. Um, but I, <clears throat> I really dig that at the same time. You got a huge price jump till you get to like a NECA or a, a mm -hmm. Ultimates or something. We're in like that $50 range. So really, again, it's it's going to be, I think, some of that middle ground. Um, something needs to happen there because people are going to run out of money. So do you yeah. think that Hasbro is getting to the point where they're going to out, they're going to price themselves out of collectors because for me in general like i collect mostly marvel stuff like marvel legends because i've collected them since they were like i don't even remember 12.99 13.99 i don't remember back back in the day 14.99 now yeah like you said they're like they just announced their exclusive for target the uh almost said hand ninja the tracksuit mafia guys from the hawkeye show and it's 27 oh yeah because it comes with two head sculpts and a bunch of accessories and so they deem that you know, to be more expensive, do you feel like they're going to price themselves out for the collector like myself? I think that they're going to have to pull back and reconfigure at some point, and they might, they might be right on the cusp of doing that. And funny enough, as we're having this conversation, so I don't know, I don't know how much you follow on like the the really business end of things, but Hasbro is going to formally announce their earnings for 2022 tomorrow morning. At about okay, yeah. six about six o'clock in the morning. Um, now they did something interesting a couple weeks ago, which is that they released preliminary earnings. Generally, when a company does that, they're fairly confident that the preliminary earnings are going to match their formal earnings. The toy business is a little bit weird right now because this actually my Facebook memories keeps lighting up. We typically would have been at Toy Fair right now. For 118 yeah. years, Toy Fair New York was happening now. Well, it's moved to September. So, interesting. October, September 30th is when it starts. And they're locked into that space for at least three years. But um, so, usually these companies would be reporting fourth quarter of the previous year, plus their full year, plus their guidance, which is their outlook for the coming year. <laughs> And then while all of these companies were gathering in New York, 
They're also they're in the financial capital of the world. They would hold their investor events and meet with the Wall Street folks and all of that. Well, that's not happening this year. So Hasbro announced preliminary earnings. Spinmaster followed suit, also revealed preliminary earnings. And then Mattel was first out of the gate with their formal earnings back on the 8th. So now Hasbro comes in tomorrow. They're going to go and drop their full final earnings from last year in fourth quarter. We know fourth quarter was absolutely terrible for everybody. The industry had mm -hmm. a terrible fourth quarter. <clears throat> Retail had a crappy fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. It's what these companies did in the rest of the year that can make or break them. And I'm sure you've seen the headlines. Uh, Hasbro had kind of a one-two punch that last October, they held an investor event. They said that they were going to try to increase their profit by 50% over the next couple mm -hmm. of years. Yep. And then in January, when they revealed their preliminary earnings, they said, hey, we're cutting a thousand people, which yep. toy industry aside, I always think that's a lame move when these uh, publicly traded companies do that because they they follow the same playbook. We're having yep. a, a money crunch. Let's cut people. That's mm -hmm. always where they start. I don't agree with it. I think that there are different ways to work around it. But at the end of the day, you've got people literally, like we were talking about before with the pricing thing, these companies are now beholden to their shareholders. So yep. they have to show that they're, you know, doing their uh, mm -hmm. financial responsibility, their fiduciary thing, and taking care of the bottom line. I think that one of the most interesting parts of the Hasbro story right now is what they're calling Blueprint 2.0, which means they are becoming more of a licensing outfit. So they okay. are really focusing on three big brands right now. You know what they are? I'm guessing it's going to be Star Wars, Marvel. No, no, no. Nope. Yeah. Well, because they're they Ninja Turtles. No, no, they own G.I. Joe, but yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think. No, uh, wait a minute. Has... Fortnite. Nope. Oh, it's tra it's Transformers, Dungeons and Dragons, okay. well, that makes sense. and Power and Power Rangers, which are oh. all brands they own directly. Mm. Okay, so those right. are the three focus brands right now um to a lesser extent you've got things like nerf and play-doh and the hasbro gaming portfolio that are doing True. pretty well what this blueprint 2.0 plan that they enacted late last year is is it starts to take the lesser brands from their portfolio and really do the licensing handoff to other companies so what we've oh. seen is um Companies that may have had a license to make certain Hasbro products before are now going to completely take it over. So not in the collector's space, but keep in mind what we do at Toy Book is all toys. Um, mm -hmm. uh -huh. Littlest Pet Shop is Hasbro. That was a big brand for them. They're not going to make it anymore. Basic Fun is now the master licensee starting in 2024. They're going to relaunch wow. Littlest Pet Shop. Just Play is now the master toy licensee for Easy Bake Oven. 
and for real friends, you know, those little robotic animals and stuff. Mm -hmm. Those were all produced in-house at Hasbro. Those will not be now. Those are being licensed out in full to just play. So wow. you're going to see more of that in the year ahead where brands are going to be fully licensed out to a new master toy licensee. In the meantime, that means that Hasbro will focus more <laughs> on those big brands like for them that they completely own, like Transformers, Dungeons and & Dragons, and Power Rangers. Um, interesting note, G.I. Joe, not mentioned yeah. in that story. That's um, That was what yeah, I was going to cut it on. Yeah. yeah, don't they own them straight out? Yes, they do. Um, but that yeah. has not been mentioned. So we'll see what happens when they announce Ooh. their earnings tomorrow. If G.I. Joe comes up. Oh. It did not come up when they announced their Blueprint 2.0 plan last year. But conversely, if you go back to like where they were kind of planting the seeds of this business model, and I've mentioned Basic Fun now a couple times, Basic Fun already is doing Tonka, which is a Hasbro brand that Basic right. Fun just makes. They're doing Light Bright. You got oh. smaller companies like you guys know Play Monster in Beloit, Sounds Wisconsin. So um, they're doing Spirograph. They're relaunching oh, wow. Weebles this year under Play School. That's awesome. They nice. just completely took over Glowworm and the Glow Friends line. So wow. by licensing out these brands, and again, these are classic toy brands mm -hmm. um, to these other companies, uh, they sort of like eliminate the risk of developing and manufacturing a product in-house. And instead they just license it out and they cash the check. Now, yeah. something like um, G.I. Joe is very intriguing to me because uh, A, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I actually, I got the mm -hmm. new Tomax and Zamok sitting right over here that uh, nice. that, that Target me had too. conveniently just on the pegs one day. And I was very happy about that recently. Um I'm a huge fan of what they've done with Classified. Um, and I, I'm not even so much like a big like six inch guy. Like I still I still have uh, a lot of warm affection for 3.75. So I like what Super 7's done with the reaction G.I. Joe line. Mm -hmm. um, I know that some people get kind of polarized on those because they don't have the articulation as the old ones right. and stuff, but I, I look at it almost as like a Marvel what if thing. Like, what <laughs> if these were made like Star Wars figures back then? And they're just the paint apps oh. are awesome. The packaging is awesome. Um, even though it I is. tend to open my stuff and toss the packages, <laughs> which I know uh, would offend some folks. But, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, I think it's very interesting to see this whole licensing thing playing out where it went from sharing the brand with certain people to fully here is the brand for right. some of these these kid focused lines so what'll be really interesting to see here is uh what happens with all of those brands going forward and on the hasbro note just because we're talking about it um so february 28th when uh -huh. we release the new issue of the toy book which is the 2023 edition of the big toy book because it's our biggest issue of the year. Um, there is actually um, a ton of Hasbro content in that magazine that I can't tell you a damn thing about right now because it's embargoed. 
but you're definitely ah. going to want to see the editorial awesome. cover, which I will tell you was shot by Mitchell Wu. So if you know who Mitchell okay. Wu is, um, he shot our editorial cover for the new issue of the Big Toy Book, which he actually did uh, last year's as well. But what what happens is we have like this is this is last year's. There's an okay. advertorial cover where like somebody bought this, and then when you flip it over, there's the editorial. Oh, cover. okay. This is so. This is last year's Mitchell awesome. Wu shot. Um, where you've got uh, Buzz and Woody kind of whimsically flying through the kid's bedroom. Um, but what he did this year, um, you'll just have to see on the 28th. Um, That's because cool. it is something that I, the only thing I can tell you other than the fact that Mitchell shot the photo is that um, toy enthusiasts and collectors alike will uh, be quite interested of what we're about to unleash on February 28th. I am um, very intrigued and of, now. <laughs> and then, of course, the issue is packed with hundreds of new toys and games that are going to be coming out over the next year. So, Okay, I, I with not, that... I, I love that. Have you had a, a movie, uh, movie character spoiled by advanced information you've gotten through your job? Probably, but I... <laughs> Nothing that raises a flag, though. Um, I can tell you um, a funny anecdote that involves a trip to Disney Consumer Products in Glendale, where I hmm. saw something that wasn't out there that I asked if I could take a picture of, and they said yes. I said, are you sure? They said yes, and I posted it, and then someone else two hours later was like, oh, you got to take that down. Um, Grogu? Yeah. It would no, it was a Star Wars Hot Wheels car from oh. um from Solo. Okay. Um and it had okay. um I believe it had the identity of Enfys Nest, which was like a bounty hunter type of character. Mm -hmm. Uh well, I don't know if she was really a bounty hunter, but um, but there was information about that character on the back of the card, and um and I was at, uh, it was Disney Consumer Products, their, their offices in Glendale. And I was there having an advanced look at stuff. And I happened to see that. And at the time, I was actually really into those um, those uh, Star Wars character cards anyway that Mattel was putting out. So I was very mm -hmm. interested and I was happy to share that. But yeah, that was a uh, no-no. <laughs> a, a so they, they asked me to pull it. But I think by the time I pulled it, there were already at this is this is how fast the internet works and even right. years ago uh i think it was already on like yak face and some other like star wars fan sites like mm -hmm. just it hit twitter and it was just like gone right you know it's out there yeah that's uh that's like the flash cuz the flash movie's coming out in june and there's some stuff that spin masters well i guess some stuff got leaked out and then um, a mutual friend of ours, he posted on his Instagram, and literally, he's. I'm like, dude, you're gonna get a cease and desist. And they, he, before he knew it, he texted me. He was like, "Yep, I already got contacted by Spin Master twice, and like a span of like a month." And I'm like, dude, if you find like if you get those, don't repost it because you're going to actually take it down. Eventually, they're not gonna want you to post any other stuff because that's what happens. And yeah, I was just like, dude, this is. Yeah, I don't agree. Early. I don't agree with any of that. Where if you find a product in the wild, 
-hmm. in my eyes, it is fair game. Especially, I, I have seen instances of people buying product that they found at retail, that they paid for and took home and posted pictures, and somebody slapped them with a cease and desist. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. That is that is not cool because um, that is a product that the person bought, that a consumer paid their money for. It is theirs. They can post a picture of it because John Q. Public does not agree to your embargoes. They do not care about your embargoes. They may not know what an embargo is, and if they did, they probably don't care. Uh, it is theirs. And... Uh, we see it a lot where um, I actually just had a conversation with a toy company that was uh, sending out embargoed news on product that had been on shelves for weeks. Um, oh, interesting. Why at this point? I mean, it happens, it happens, but you know, everybody oh, yeah. can learn and do better, but I, I don't agree with any of this stuff where if it's in the wild and a picture shows up fair game, it's out there now. Yeah, I don't know too. I'm not too sure how those pictures of the flash stuff came out or like where it was photographed. Um, but You're I don't like the, the Funko Pop. No, that the, like the dark flash. The Funko, okay. the Funko stuff gets leaked all the time. But I'm talking right. Spin Masters, the Batwing. Like it was instantaneous. Oh. I'm like, dude, you better take it down. And he got a, uh, yeah, a, a message from Instagram. Um, I think that was their 3.75 inch. Yeah, the 3.7 inch. Um, yeah. It comes with uh, comes with Batman and the Flash and, and yeah, so yeah, that's the one. Um, well, <clears throat> because like the funny thing is that you were bringing that up, uh, like McFarland for for instance, stuff will get like I shouldn't say I don't know if it's leaked, but it'll be put out in the store. Someone will buy it, mm -hmm. post a picture, and we're like, what the heck? Like we had no idea this is coming out, and they're like, oh yeah, this is the only one that had, and then. Finally, it's like a couple days go by, and then he announces, "Oh, this figure's coming out. It's a gold label. It's a Walmart exclusive." Then everyone gets upset because they're literally one of the hardest uh, gold labels to find is through Walmart, and that happens. I feel like that happens more often with McFarland than it does with any Marvel Legends. In general, a lot of that yeah, has to do solely with the stores. Um, yeah, the, the stores have become notorious or breaking or just straight up not honoring street date. And part of mm -hmm. it is just a, a sheer lack of communication. Oh. And a lot of the, a, a lot of the product that comes in, it has labels on it that says do not stock till X day. But what you run into is people stocking these shelves, especially overnight that either mm -hmm. don't know, don't care <laughs> or they're just given the mandate and we've all been in jobs like this where they're like, put it out. You know, yep. I don't want to see the freight come back to the back room. It's, yep. you know, clear this pallet, stock the shelves, whatever. Um, a lot of the time, I think that's what's happening. So I think it's, I think it's primarily the, the get it out of the stock room or the, eh, it has a date on it, but I don't care. Yeah. I used, I used to run into that circuit city all the time. Like there were, it's a street day, and then my employees be like putting out, and I'm like, you get you have to pull it off the floor because it's the one that's not going to be sellable. You try to scan this, and I come up a thousand dollars for a CD or a video game or whatever it was, and then people would get upset and mad, like that's in my hand, it's on the floor, I should be able to buy it. 
Yeah, I used to run into that all the time, and it was crazy. So I see this comment here from Yukon Phil. Um, says somebody posted a Transformers review. Now, uh, if you're still there and listening to this, did was that a toy that this guy purchased? Did he buy the Transformer and then post his review, or did they send it to him? Because, uh, of course, that's a, that's a different story. If the company sends it to you and it's not announced yet, of course, you want to play nice and not share right. that but but if you bought that it that's a totally different story and it's a fair right. game so i know that i i messaged you a little i don't know probably three weeks ago maybe maybe a little longer about the uh masterverse stuff that that guy was talking about how target was going to discontinue it and that line was getting discontinued through mattel um so let, let's i wanted to get kind of more into that because um, we, like I said, we have a lot of unsale, maybe a lot, a lot, but myself, I'm a Masterverse. I grew up on Master Universe. I know Yukon Phil and a bunch of the other guys are uh, Master of the Universe collectors. So, <clears throat> would why would a company, I guess, discontinue a line, even though we, I know it's not true, but what would be the reason why? Number one reason anybody discontinues something is lack of sales. Or right. lack of retail support. Um, in this particular in this particular um, case, with Masterverse or Masters of the Universe in general, um, I don't know that there's been another line out there that just has such a sheer amount of disinformation or misinformation floating around about the line. Um, funny enough, and I might have I might have told you about this. Um, so I was supposed to go to Mattel for their right, uh, Masters of the Universe 40th anniversary uh, presentation back in September. And unfortunately, I got COVID. Um, I, had, I had gone to New York and then I came home for like 36 hours and I went down to Dallas. There was a toy association event that used to be called Dallas Toy Fair, but um, it was kind of a last rodeo for that because it was September 2022 and that's where... Toy, now Toy Fair New York is in September starting this year, but uh, I was supposed to go out there and they had this whole thing where they were unveiling a ton of new products for 2023 including Eternia which they formally unveiled in October, but there's a ton of product in the pipeline and I can tell you right now too I, I keep saying February 28th the new issue of the yeah. Toy Book's coming out there is at least one good Masters of the Universe toy in the new issue of the toy book that's not coming out till this fall. So, um, and that was submitted to me by Mattel. So uh, I do not believe that a company would be submitting products to the trade that they had no, no, uh, no intention of uh, releasing. So, so it's really weird on that, on that note. So uh, Masterverse, I'm a little less attached to which i've told you about uh right. when compared to origins i'm a big origins fan mm -hmm. i do have some masterverse i you probably see right behind me there i have the 40th, anniversary he -Man the 40th yep. speaking out um i do like them but for me i i really lean into like my personal interests are the traditional scales so i like the five and a half inch old school he-man out there oh yeah scare glow you got the reissue package too um, the uh 
Oh. What I do find really intriguing, too, about Masterverse is the amount of Princess of Power characters making their way into that line. Yes. And, um, I gotta say, that's that's almost, almost drawn me into it more. I do not have any of the Masterverse Princess of Power stuff, um, but I was really teetering, and I was I was really close to pulling the trigger because I still haven't found an Origins Hordak yet, and okay. uh, I almost uh-huh. I almost bought the Masterverse one. Then at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I really just want the Origins because <laughs> it goes with the ones I have. But I wasn't gonna pass up that 40th anniversary Masterverse He Man because he's way cool. Yeah, because it looks like this five inch line, just in a six inch form, or I guess it's seven inch form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, because there's I can't remember this guy on Instagram has been leaking like I don't know every wave that's coming out for Masterverse and Origins pretty much pretty daily I feel like, and it just blows my mind. I'm like, yeah, so this guy goes out and tries to throw this. Uh, Thing on the internet, like you know, Mattel's canceling the Masterverse and the Retro line, and they're just getting rid of it. And I was just like, "There's just no way." Like, I get that it sits like the Masterverse just sits at Target for the most part because no one has nostalgia towards it because the Netflix show came out and that's where that got spawned off. But for this mm-hmm. Origins line, like, yes, I'm like, I don't see them cutting that. It just doesn't make sense and. That's why I like I reached out to you. I was like, "Hey, have you heard this rumor?" And I, when you said, "Yeah, I don't think so," and I was, "Yeah, it seemed complete bullshit." Because why would they spend all this time and money on doing this and revelations or the Masterverse stuff? And yeah, I mean, I like both. Um, I wasn't too, I wasn't really into the Masterverse at first until I started. Mm-hmm getting a few then i was like okay these are actually pretty cool looking i mean yes there's some qc issues on a lot of it but for the most part they're fun they're just fun action figures to have so i uh, yeah. i just picked up the uh mechanic and uh, oh nice yeah not, not the road ripper anymore it's the ground ripper or something yeah the, i think it's the ground it. ripper um i ripped him right out of his package and played with him um excellent you know, He's he's floating around. He uh, I was a little bit disappointed that his that his neck didn't just like <clears throat> move up and down like the old one. It's like a third piece mm-hmm. now, where you like have to pull it apart and put his neck. Uh. Uh, the, the cool thing is, I still have a little bit of time because my uh, my my ten year old daughter actually likes playing He Man. So um, until awesome. she, until until she totally like ages out of it or something, um, <laughs> I'm into it. And it also um gives me a little bit more of an excuse with my wife when i come home with uh with um some stuff i will say one funny thing that i have seen um pop up periodically in the collector circles that always kind of cracked me up and it never happened to me personally until recently is the getting a completely mangled package from an online order i know Um, that drives people crazy uh, when they're mint in package collectors um i'm not so i opened my stuff but um uh, i ordered the horde trooper and the anti-attorney he-man from amazon uh-huh. and they arrived in a box but absolutely <laughs> demolished i mean like surprise, the horde trooper was like partially like the card was ripped 
the anti-attorney i think had like sticker residue on it and looked like it had been bought somewhere else and ended up in the amazon ecosystem and it wasn't even one of those things where like it was like sold from amazon but through some other party it was sold from amazon Amazon. from amazon and that's what i got so i did take a picture of those because i i actually shared it with the people i work with because i was like oh i'm like you know we hear about this all the time but (laughs) all that actually happened to me that was amazon (laughs) i'm looking at the comments here Jordan Gasly, I don't think a toy rumor has annoyed me more than the Motu Origins rumor. Word to that. What's up, LeBron Fett? I see that on there. Yeah, I had to get a replacement three times for my son, man, because the other two that came, the whole bubble was ripped off on both of them. How is this possible? Uh, Pretty stupid. Speaking, that's funny you brought that up because I ordered this. G.I. Joe Classified on, I think, last night. I think it was last night. Uh, Sergeant Stalker. And it, and it came, the box came all jacked. And I'm like, literally, there's nothing. It was just that in a box. No no paper or the air bubbles, nothing. And I was just like, why? It's ridiculous. Oops. What are you going to do? It's Amazon. They don't care. It is. I was, I was looking here. I thought I had enough. I was going to rip open a figure just live. Just because there you go. Uh, there you go. That's what we do on this channel too. We just rip stuff open. I don't, but everyone else does. <laughs> it's happened. It's definitely it's happened. Ha- it's happened. I've uh, uh yeah, I've got not say got lured into doing it, but I just like, yeah, I really want to take this out. I mean, I took out for instance, um, let me grab this. I took out these gentlemen out of this box because I wanted to see the paint apps nice. on it. You know, I know everyone hates the package for the plastic free. So, you know, I got Peter Parker sitting on my desk doing nothing. So, yeah. <laughs> Chilling. So, the, plastic the, free. Uh, you're going to see more of that soon, too. Not I, just Hasbro. Yeah. Really? I'm glad you brought that up because I just, not what I say, like November, um, I was reading, I can't remember where I read this off of some publication or maybe it was reddit i mean it might have been reddit and somebody that works for mattel let out the bag that uh the masterverse lines going plastic free and i was like well there goes that line for everybody uh and then i heard so this guy also said that he heard that mcfarland's gonna go that way too and that i don't know because i don't know how todd i know he's he wants people to see everything through a window so i don't know if that's true i'm not going to say that you probably know that but i there, wouldn't i wouldn't I past. um i i don't know anything specifically on as far as what mcfarlane would do i do know that the plastic windows there are ways to do it a little right. more eco-friendly and hasbro was doing it a little bit with the pet the uh poly polyethylene something um not good with the not good with the big scientific names. I can write them, but I'm hard. It's hard to say them sometimes. <laughs> um, the uh, the main thing you got to look at here is that the toy industry as a whole, 2030, is a real benchmark number for going totally sustainable, mm-hmm. and that means the plastic free thing. Um, is going to become a really big deal and it already is 
mm-hmm. for a lot of companies. And we're already seeing a switch. And, a, and again, we're we're talking a lot of times in like the collector circle. Collectors are in this bubble of like, mm-hmm. we want this. We should only be given this because we think we're entitled to it for some reason type of thing. But the toy industry is like so much bigger. Right. And you have these new generations of parents, especially these these younger parents that are having kids now that have grown up uh, more in tune to the environment and sustainability and all of this. And it's actually very, very important to the parents. So they don't want to buy a toy and end up with a whole big pile of trash from it. Um, and there was pushback about that. So you're starting to see a lot of things where it's FSC certified, which is a forest stewardship oh. council, where the paper comes from sustainably managed forests that are regrown. Same thing too, wooden toys. Look at companies like Melissa and Doug or Hoppe right. in terms mm-hmm. of how they are producing the wood that they're getting for those toys and they're regrowing it. Um, organizations like One Tree Planted and things. Um, it really started kicking in a couple years ago with like uh, soy-based inks to get some of the chemicals out of that. So you're not just talking about recycled or sustainable wow. paper and cardboard, but we're talking about the ink that goes into it is also good for everybody. It comes from the soybeans. Um, sugar cane is a huge part of the plastic. Um, we're already seeing really remarkable um transitions on like some of the stuff like lego has their first uh totally sustainable brick now um it's true, it's true. It's true. Uh, mattel has um and actually I, I had a set here it's not down here with me but um mattel did a mega blocks green town line which hmm. um were those big chunky blocks that are that are like for toddlers right yeah you mm-hmm. could okay this one's sugar cane this one's petroleum cannot tell the difference what um so they have gotten it to that point where they can do those things um but they're not there yet when it comes to like making an action figure out of that material um because there's a there's a lot more to it there's certain things you need to pull off the articulation and the joints and all of that and they're just not not there yet um, I think they will get there. Now, will they get there by 2030 on that? I don't know. But they're certainly uh, making it a point to try to do so. And I see a lot of 2030 benchmarks. And then there's companies, too, that that set a goal, and then they beat that goal by many years. Lego, again, would be an example of that. They said, like, oh, they were going to go totally wind-powered get it like three years earlier than they planned. You know, they just go. They're going to do something and they go do it. Um, But there's few companies that can actually do that. Again, Lego is a privately held company. It is still owned by the same family that has owned it, you know, the last 90 years. So they don't have to answer to a shareholder. It's like, oh, you can't put that capital into this investment this year to, you know, uh, go net zero on your carbon emissions. That's what these, these big companies that are publicly traded end up having to face off of, huh. you know. So do you see like Mattel 
I know like Hot Wheels, there's a ton of Hot Wheel collectors like my cousin. Mm -hmm. uh, do you see them going away from a window type thing for the packaging or do you still see them doing that uh, old format? I think they'll do the old format, but they're probably going to end up doing something where it's like one of those um, like the PET or as like the it's like the whole sugarcane thing evolves. I, th mm -hmm. I think they'll probably keep the bubble to an extent. But at the same time, did you see the new Matchbox packaging last year? That's totally eco-friendly. There's no bubble. It comes in a box. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I like actually, the original I actually, stuff, right? Similar, but not exact. Um, okay. I yeah. have the Tesla that they made. And then I also have, I think it was an Amazon exclusive 12 pack. And the cars actually like slid out of a tray and each right. one was individually wrapped in um, almost like a tissue paper. Okay. It also breaks down. But funny enough, so as we're talking about this, as we're talking about sustainability, what do I have on my desk here right now? This is Rubik's Recube, which is the first <laughs> ever entirely, entirely recycled Rubik's Cube. Now, also, wow. note <laughs> this package. Note how this is a brown cardboard box yep. mm -hmm. that is dyed with these greens and everything. Okay, so this is from Spin Master. This Rubik's cube is one hundred percent recycled plastic. Wow! It plays just wow. like plays just like your other ones. It, it feels it feels just like the originals, but it, it took them. And now, keep in mind, this is recycled. This isn't bio based. Like we were talking about bio-based plastics uh -huh. for some of the bricks, but they're getting closer. Um, and then you got this right here, um, you know, comes in a slightly smaller box mm -hmm. as well. And then if you look at the, um, you look at the bottom here, I don't know if the viewers can see this here, but that's the TerraCycle logo. So mm -hmm. it tells you on the bottom there, um, all of this is recyclable in the U.S. and Australia through TerraCycle. So... Companies are making moves. Yeah, I could. That's funny because I just remember the Rubik's Cube that I, I don't think since 14, probably two years that we bought was on a plastic shell mm -hmm. in a plastic clamshell. And that's mm -hmm. that's interesting. Yeah. Huh. And those are still out there for now. Yeah. But that but that Recube just launched last month. So wow. um, another thing that's really happened in the toy business with sustainability is if you back it up a couple years, primarily for a lot of the independent toy stores, if you were to take two comparable products and one is just made the mass market way and the other one is sustainable, you know, good for the environment, whatever. And there's a $5 price difference. There were parents that were like, oh, I love the environment. I love this and that. Oh, wait, but this one's five bucks cheaper. Then they buy uh -huh. the one that's five bucks cheaper anyway. Uh -huh. That was happening a lot. But now, since the cost is starting to level out, the, the, the game has changed quite a bit. And mm -hmm. then if you look at it where, say, 2030 becomes the toy industry reality and everything is sustainable in some way, consumers will have one option. It, it's yeah. all gonna all gonna be made that certain way that makes total sense i mean i mean there's annoying reasons why 
like a Hasbro is should say like Star Wars for in general because I just pretty much am selling off all my Star Wars stuff because price hikes and I just I just don't like them anymore and I, that's what it just comes down to. I feel like a lot of the collectors that I'm friends with that are huge Star Wars fans they're starting to mm-hmm. get away from the Black Series and they're going back to the three point three three quarter inch because of cost. So yeah, it's it's very interesting that a lot of people are selling off a lot of their, all their Star Wars stuff and going to three and three quarter inch that I grew up on, you grew up on, Todd grew up on. I mean, a lot of these guys grew up on three and three quarter inch. It's just interesting to me that that's happening more and more now. Um, I will say too. So I, I just happened to look at this. This is obviously <laughs> one of the last um, GI Joe figures that's going to come in a, a window box. But look, look what's right down here. It's the recycled logo, and it does say that's PET. Yeah, PET that's window. funny. Okay, okay. So, okay. so it was like it's still plastic, but it's better plastic <laughs> as we are, you know, moving toward that plastic-free future. But that's the things you got to start looking at now. And I find it interesting too that they put that. That's in a very conspicuous location. I mean, that's like yeah, right dead there. center. <laughs> yeah, on the bottom. Front that they're marking that. So again, it's it's thinking about those different types of consumers that are out there. Like, who is buying this stuff? It's not all just necessarily um, going to be a collector. You know, there's actually right. people that that's very important to them, and they're looking for it. I mean, I think the biggest complaint from the collectors in general is because they can't see something. For for instance, like. I, I, up here in Northern California, I don't feel like we really have that issue with like fig swapping, um, but like it's been coming becoming more and more noticeable with like buying on Amazon or on to, on mm-hmm. online retailers where they're buying something that says new, they're getting it and they're opening it, and it's not even the figure; it's in the box. And that's where the biggest I think issue is becoming now is the online. I mean, obviously in store and in store fig swapper uh, fig swapping has been as long as I can remember, it's always happened. So that I don't find that as an issue, like buying in store, because you literally can, if you really want it that bad and want to see it, open it and make sure it's there, then buy it. But online, yeah, it's a big, different story. Big swapping is terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's a despicable move. It's stealing. It is theft. Oh, it's totally stealing. Um, and and I, I don't know. I I, I don't know who these people think they are or aren't screwing in this deal because at the end of the day it's everybody including themselves because the prices are going up somebody's gonna buy that and get the wrong thing maybe it's not even a collector maybe it's a grandparent buying that for their grandkid or something and they're getting them the wrong product did you guys hear about the cop in new jersey that got busted for fig swapping a month or two oh yeah yep the guy no. literally got caught on uh, on video, I believe, at a Walmart um, fig swapping. Yes. Oh yeah, that was a big story. I remember that being all over the place. Yep. I just I couldn't believe it. I was all a cop. That's <laughs> just what an idiot. But that's what it was about. Was about fig swapping. I did not yep. know that. Okay, I knew that there was something weird involved, but okay. Yeah, because I think I think you're going to start seeing these retail stores 
I don't know, maybe not, I don't know, but maybe cracking down on that. Like when someone returns something, actually opening it, if it's, if it's been retaped and I mean, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I feel like that should happen and maybe is happening. Uh, I know like our Walmart, I uh, returned I uh, I don't even remember what it was, some figure and they looked at all the spots where tape would be cut. And she's like, this hasn't been open. I'm all no. I'm like, I don't, I end up, I end up not needing it. No, she was like, okay. And then return it. But I was just like, wow, they're really paying attention to this stuff here. Oh, okay. So yeah, I thought it was nice if they would. I mean, when I worked in retail 25 years ago, uh, we did check everything when it came mm -hmm. back in and you had to, because people were scamming way back then. I distinctly oh, yeah. remember somebody bringing a VCR in and going, Oh boy, I don't need this. And it has like their old VCR that I kid you not had bugs in it. Oh. We opened it up and there's like a 10 year old VCR with bugs in the box, but Oh, That's I didn't do that. I, you know, oh, sure. Um, but back then, but I think part of it is um, people, there are, there are such crappy people out there that to uh -huh. an extent, these retailers just caved and weren't checking largely to protect their own people because you don't know who's going to decide to fight you. Right. Or, you know, at this point, pull a gun on you or something because, yeah. oh, oh, you know, they want to pull the line like, are you calling me a liar? You know, I didn't fake swap this. Um, it, you never know how people are going to react. So to an extent, it's easier for them to just eat it and toss it yeah. than to have a dispute with somebody. Yeah, it's just interesting because like Walmart, I know and Target had to come out and said like a lot of their issues was theft. I mean, that goes in hand in hand, like fake swapping is theft. So, I mean, and most every Walmart, they have locked up pretty much their whole store in certain parts of, you know, the United States. I know Southern California, all their pops all locked up. It just, I'm like, wow. Um, some of the action figures and it's certain weird, like McFarlane, I think in, can't remember what town, but I know uh, one of my friends lived there and all the McFarlane figures and GI Joe and I don't like transformers all locked up, but like Marvel legends and, Power Rangers all open. It just it's super weird. I'm like, well, that must mean that those are high theft items. That's why they have it locked behind a, a cage. Basically, I saw that uh, well, last time I was down in San Diego. So maybe like 2019, um, where they were starting to lock up the the toy aisles at Walmart. Uh -oh. Which um, here in Illinois, I've seen certain categories get locked up, but not in the toy department. It's usually stuff in like the health and beauty department or right electronics. which makes uh, sense but yeah it's a shame that you have to do that in the in the toy department i totally agree mm -hmm. todd do you have another question for him no i think he's got a lot of work to do tonight it's all hopped <laughs> up on the yeah. caffeine <laughs> so he's got a few hours to go yes well, i mean i should true. i can honestly i got your Right, I've got a million more questions, but it's all good. Yeah. What do you have to throw a couple at one. me? Throw a couple at okay. me. Okay. All right. What was it like being on a, a panel at Comic Con? It was awesome, um, and I've done it a couple times. And actually, I don't know if you guys know Daniel Pickett from Action Figure Insider. Um, mm -hmm. He was, uh, you know, he's tremendously active on Instagram and all that stuff. Um, he actually played host a couple times to some panels I was on at Comic-Con, and it was a blast. 
Um, the um, uh, yeah, we did. So the the first one I did was um, the year that Toys R Us, the original Toys R Us, went under, <laughs> and we did a thing about um, life in a post Toys R Us world, what it was going to be, <laughs> and that was um, there were a few different uh, great people on that panel, uh, and then we did another one. Um, maybe a year later where we uh, delved into licensing quite a bit. And uh, Jeremy Padawar was on there from Jazzwares. And we had um, Dolly from Funko. And um, we had a couple other people on there. Uh, one of the Hot Wheels guys. It was really cool. Um, Dave's Dimension is asking a question here. I see you collect Transformers and some vintage goodness behind you. Um so I don't, I don't, I don't actually collect everything. I actually buy surprisingly, um, um, I buy surprisingly few toys. I, I think for like what I do, but you gotta also keep in mind I essentially have a toy warehouse because of <laughs> what we do for the toy industry. With the, mm -hmm. if you're just joining us here, Toy Book, Toy Insider, Pop Insider, um, I show a ton of a ton of toys for kids of all ages on television. And what I do is uh, I literally have it set up like a warehouse where I have metal racks. I have it set up by theme. So I've got wow. arts, crafts, and activities, uh, STEM, uh, electronic toys, uh, collectibles, uh -huh. dolls, whatever. And then at the, um, I used to do it at the end of the year, but now I kind of spread it out. I actually donate all of that. So I get all okay, of those wow. samples. And uh, I donate it. So for the past nine years, I have done this thing uh, that we unofficially call Rockfather Santa, where one of the local townships here that has, uh, they service five local communities. They have caseworkers and I deliver them thousands of toys and they let their uh, families that they've served throughout the year come in and shop for them. Um, awesome. And they, they do their thing. And then I found a couple other organizations that I could help out um, as well. So all of those samples I get in here. But you're talking about Transformers and you see things behind me. Um, the Optimus Prime behind me is actually the only one in the world. So oh, yeah. um, if you see this here, um, this and if you if you Google Chrome Optimus Prime, you will probably find this pop up. This was created by Hasbro back in 2007 for the Michael Bay Transformers movie. And it was created for a promotion for Attack of the Show on G4. Uh -huh. um, if you remember that show. Uh -huh. yeah. There was a promotion in July of 2007 um, involving some recut videos. There was a guy that recut... A video and voiced a bunch of the Transformers. That guy was me. And this Transformer is on a bunch of the Transformers websites like Cybertron and so on, like TFW2005. This bad boy right here, I don't think I have ever shown on a podcast before. Whoop, whoop. Wow. What? Wow. Oh, that's sick. That is beautiful. So, um, oh. Yeah. So this, um, and it's it's weighty. The uh, the, the case probably wear, weighs more than Optimus, but you know what? I'll I'll go I'll go a step further here. 
Let's uh, let's un let's unleash Mr. Prime. Oh no! Oh, my son's loving this. I can already tell you, he's a huge Transformers fan. So. <laughs> All right, so this is hand painted from the Hasbro design team. Wow! So Dang. again, if you if you Google Chrome Optimus Prime, you will probably find this. Now they do they do do some Chrome. Um, premiums that I believe are mostly done overseas. I want to say they call them like first shots or something. There's a mm. name for them. Um, but they're not like this. Like sometimes they'd be like entirely gold or entirely silver. So they say this is one of a kind, but depending on how you look at it, as I knock him over here, um, <laughs> really there's two because there's also one of him in his, his, uh, truck mode here so oh, wow uh, so i have never i've never transformed this because again this is this is hand painted um, Jeez. so it actually does transform so, though what? oh yeah it's it, oh, it is wow it, it is like it's the legit. one they sold in the store but uh -huh. it's but it's all chromed out and they made it <laughs> to promote the movie and then actually, so now that I've now that I've totally dismantled this, so I guess I guess this is your exclusive here because like this this thing has been floating around since two thousand seven, and I've never shown it really in this capacity. So this is the this is the base of the case as well. Oh wow! Which is um, so it's beveled, and I assume that was like a that was probably a hand carved or laser cut. Um, yeah. Autobot symbol there, um, but uh, yeah. So Attack of the Show G four, July two thousand seven. Um, there was that that whole thing, and again, let's 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 pull Mister Prime over here. Um, that is so awesome! Oh my gosh. So if anybody would like him, he's a hundred thousand dollars. You can uh, deliver uh, cash to me in a uh, brown bag. I, I like tax free. Um, and uh, anyone in the chat want to take him up on that? Doing like that. Uh, so it is kind of funny. Maybe once every other year or so, somebody will sort of crawl out of the woodwork and send me a blind email that's like. Hey, I saw somewhere that you had this. Do you still have it? That's like, I do. And uh, no, you can't buy it because he's not for sale. Yeah, that's an unsellable item. That is for sure. So that's so cool. wow. So that uh, so that's actually something cool. So I'm glad that uh, <laughs> I'm glad that so, that somebody noticed Mr. Prime sitting there. Good job, Dave. What are you looking at meetups. <laughs> Meetups. <laughs> you should do. You should. You should charge to have some people come look at it. Five bucks a head. See, now I put him in there, and I forgot to put his weapons away. Oh uh, man. So, so I'll I'll deal with that when we're when we're off the air here. But man. yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Like, I mean, that is that's as close to a grail as as you could say that I probably have, um, because that's something that. I've held on to so back in back in the mid '90s when um, Hasbro relaunched the Kenner Power of the Force line, Power of the Force uh -huh. Two, 
Um, I was one of the guys that went totally hardcore on that. Oh, me too. Bought everything. I yep. I was the stereotype, you know, the guy in the SNL skit that was <laughs> buying one to keep. Yep. <laughs> buying one what to open. <laughs> maybe buying a third just because. Um, <laughs> my wife and I, um, you know, we're we're old now. I mean, we've been been married since 99 she's been putting up with me since 97 um <laughs> we we had a star wars room early early on and i mean i had all the kenner stuff um um all the power of the force 2 stuff uh i started going crazy on like the store displays it's like oh plastic sidekick from star wars toothbrushes yeah i'll take it um had that <laughs> in there um i had one of those comtech store displays if you remember like it, it was like the scan the chip and it talks oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Menace. yeah um i gave that i actually gave that to a local collector when i was cleaning out my stuff i had the um i had the uh the pepsi r2d2 cooler that the gas stations Ooh. had back during the prequels i actually just sold that two years ago when i moved i got tired of moving them and he had a broken leg so um after 20 years i Sent that droid on a new mission with a new, new owner, <laughs> um, new adventures, and uh, but I, I I went totally off the deep end, and I mean, like many people did, I I had the Star Wars room, and then over the course of maybe like a decade or so, it became less fun moving the stuff all the time um, because <laughs> we weren't yeah. quite, you know, my wife and I didn't have kids yet, we were still. I was off doing movie adventures and all that crap, and we'd move mm -hmm. around and have to uh, box the stuff up, and then things get dusty, things get damaged, all the things that collectors deal with. So finally, I, I ended up unloading most of it, but I kept any loose figures I had, any vintage I had, which wasn't much. I still have a few pieces in my office over here. Um that I, my wife bought me, uh, you know, you guys know Brian's Toys, like that place, like used hmm. to be a huge, still, still around you. That used to be like the place in the nineties. If you wanted vintage carded Star Wars stuff, um, it was a guy out of Wisconsin. And um, so my wife had bought me a few of those and I've still got those, but I have a nice, I have a nice size collection of loose power of the force, era power of the force era two era figures um but in retrospect i wish i hadn't got gotten rid of my loose vehicles because my kids did go through a phase where they would have really liked to have those but um but they didn't quite stay as attached to star wars as like i was as a kid but, right but it was right. fun it was fun for the few years while it lasted you know um and it would have been cool to have those but um now I look back and I'm like, wow. So I totally stopped buying stuff after Attack of the Clones. And um, the uh, so I, I totally missed like that whole first wave of the vintage collection coming out oh, yeah. and becoming like a new golden era of collecting. Um, saw the stuff, saw it. At, I remember seeing those, the one that everybody calls the big ass Millennium Falcon. I remember mm -hmm. seeing piles of them on clearance at Toys R Us for like 40 bucks and thinking, oh, that's really cool, but, you know, I'm not really collecting uh -huh. right now. And now Man. those are how much money? 
right. even loose. Uh, oh. Can't find them. So, um, but yeah, so it's it's a weird thing. So EC collecting. Are you from Wisconsin? He I, is oh, from yeah. Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh we're, for sure. We're at. <laughs> it's outside of Milwaukee. For a second. I think he's I'm, in Milwaukee. Yeah, I'm sitting eight miles from the Wisconsin border right now. So oh, look at that. <laughs> Colin, you and uh James can meet up for your five dollar uh buy-in to go look at that transformer now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get some uh, bring down some Sprecker's uh root beer from Milwaukee. A <sighs> couple brats and um you know a few bricks of cheese. Be all, be all good. That'll that's your buy-in. Uh, yeah, that's what you know. Stop at the Mars Cheese Castle in Racine on the way down. Pick up a Kringle, and uh, be all good. All right, it's all the uh, Midwest stuff this. happening. You get a um, Danish Kringle south of Milwaukee. That's a thing. I can't wait to hear this from him later tonight oh, yeah. or tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so my like, so this is gonna be my last question. Okay. So we have Ant-Man Quantum or Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania coming out tomorrow. And I'm trying to think what else. The Flash in June. Um, are you the type to go see movies when they first come out, or do you wait, say like weeks or months? So, so pre-pandemic, it was always um <laughs> right when they came out. Um mm -hmm. And I also I, I had the very good fortune pre-pandemic to actually be fairly tight with Disney. So mm -hmm. I got to go to the world premiere of Infinity War. And I, I got to go to the press junket for the first Ant-Man movie and hung nice. out with T.I. and Michael Pena and David S. Melch and the, the entourage guys that were like uh -huh. Paul yeah. Rudd's posse. Um, and now those things don't even now that the world is sort of back to normal, it's not like it was before. They still mm -hmm. have events and junkets and premieres, but it's not its not the big, uh, the massive hype machine that it was before the world changed. Um, so I try to go. Um, part of it's a little challenging, too, because we, we do have kids, and we like to have a family outing, but sometimes right. kids don't want to go see something or whatever. So, like, we missed... We miss Black Panthers, the Wakanda Forever. So we just watched that for the okay. first time on Disney Plus a week or so ago. Um, Quantumania, I do plan to see fairly quickly. Um, there's a robust movie slate, which uh, actually mm -hmm. we touch upon it in the new issue of the toy book out February yeah. 28th. There's a two-page feature about uh, the movie toys coming out. Oh, I can't wait. So theoretically, this year should be the return to normal when it comes to toys tied to movies. Pandemic to screwed it all up, especially yes. 2020 and 2021. All of the licensed merch was off cycle. I mean, you had yeah. toys in stores and a movie delayed a year. You had... Uh, sometimes the reverse happened. Um, I thought it was very interesting. Uh, the Minions, the Rise of Gru, right. was yes. supposed to be out in 2020, didn't come out till 2022. So the original merch was actually 
in the stores, sold, clearanced, went through its entire life cycle, and there was enough time by the time it came back to stores for new stuff to be designed and sold. And yeah, that's, that's wow. The trajectory was bizarre. Um, but this year, if you look at if you look at the movie slate and you look at toyetic properties, um, you've got Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. You've got the Barbie movie, Indiana oh, Jones yeah. and the Dial of Destiny coming out. Yeah, wait for that. Um, on Guardians the of the kids. Galaxy. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. You got mm-hmm. Blue Beetle. You got Flash. You got the new Aquaman movie. Um, you got Across the Spider Verse uh, mm-hmm. animated movie coming out. We saw um, those toys came out last year. Yep, that's that's another example of it being yep. off cycle. Um, oh, so you've got all of those. If you go for a, a another more like. Uh, kid focused uh non-collector range but again kids are kids are still 75 percent of the business um there's a disney movie coming out in november called wish which is about the wishing star when you wish upon a star okay yeah, yeah, yeah what it is and there will be toys from uh jack specific and some other folks tied to that movie um speaking of jacks so you got the super mario brothers movie coming out right now oh, yeah um so um I don't know if anybody's really said this out here, but for Fast X, the new Fast and Furious movie, um between Mattel's Hot Wheels and the stuff Jada Toys is putting out, probably the most extensive Fast and Furious diecast line of any of the movies um will be hitting stores within the next couple months. Um let me think what else here. Oh, Shazam. You got the Shazam. Oh yeah, I about that. That's right. Um, you know, if if I had my print copy of the magazine, I, I could just flip through and tell you because we put it all <laughs> in there. But um, it's actually at the printer, right? At like I know it was coming off the production line because they sent us a picture today. It's almost like oh, cool. uh, you know how the you know how the terrorists give you like the proof of life photo <laughs> yeah. or video of their of their their hostage. It's sort of like that from the printer. It's like we have your magazine. It is. It is here right. and it is it is it is coming. Um but yeah, EC collecting just subscribed to Toy Book. Thank you, appreciate it. Um might be too late to get the issue that I've been hyping up right now, but uh send me an email and uh we'll see if we can do something about that if that uh happens to be any kind of issue. Um I'm easy to locate. Um so yeah, there's uh there's more movies that I'm oh also um if you think about the small screen stuff there's a second monster high movie coming out so there's like monster high 2 um oh, yeah. there's the new power rangers content going to netflix yep. netflix um Mando. So it should it should be a good year for entertainment inspired toys and i think too it, we were talking about masterverse earlier i think that that next chapter of that story, Revolutions, I think, comes yeah. out this year. I think it's in May, I think, May or June. So theoretically, that should be uh, driving some people out there. Um, now, again, uh, oh, oh, big one right in front of us, Dungeons and Dragons. That's oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's um, been coming out. So March yeah. uh, new, 30th, new boys. 31st. Any new yep. boys stuff? Stranger yes, Things. Yes, and actually, 
uh, dude here just uh, mentioned new Ninja Turtles, and yes, and you will be you will be officially seeing those very very soon. Um, are we talking the McFarlane stuff? Are we talking that's the all I can. Zip, zip, zip. Um, yeah, EC is no a huge Ninja Turtles fan, so there will be no shortage of Ninja Turtles. And if you weren't here earlier when I said it, TMNT is too many Ninja Turtles because too many people <laughs> have the license. But uh, at the same time, at the si same time, different strokes for different folks. And uh, every, you know what? <sighs> is anybody making a bad Ninja Turtles line? I would say no. It just depends. What know. you're looking for and how much you want to spend, um, but yeah, but there's there's some good uh, there's some good Ninja Turtle action on the on the horizon for when that movie comes out in August, um, and I do I do feel there's got to be at least something that I'm not mentioning, but plenty of plenty of entertainment based toys coming, and then we got to start thinking about 2024. So right. Uh, there's going to be so much in 2024 because across, well, because Marvel in general, like they just have, I feel like a machine that just goes every few months and just nonstop stuff going on. Let it be movies, TV shows, cartoons. Uh, they just have wave after wave after wave. And it, it's so hard to freaking catch up now. And they're just, you know, for me, they're getting too expensive. So I have to tighten up my collecting here. Yeah, it'll be very uh, interesting to see how it all shakes out now that these companies are announcing their earnings, that they're adjusting this Hasbro thing we, we discussed. Um, Mattel do a lesser extent, but uh, how they sort of react to like a market fluctuation and um, getting this pricing in line. Because part of the pricing had to do with the things we already covered. Uh, right. answering to shareholders and all of that huge overhead but there are still a lot of residual holdovers from the pandemic raw materials prices all of that stuff i mean there's so many factors that go into it um and then you've got you've got uh all these other issues too with like production and um there are a lot of folks moving production out of china um, yep. Hasbro's been doing a lot in Vietnam already for a number of years. Um, other areas in the world that are ramping up, largely still uh, Far East, but a um, little bit more coming back to the U.S. The 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 weird thing with that though is that uh, so many of the action figures just cannot be made here for one reason or another. Um, a lot of it goes back to like legislation from the 80s with um huh. different different i mean there's different types of chemicals and plastics and things that you just can't have here um in the right. meantime you can blow up those chemicals in ohio and do <laughs> oh. whatever um but you can't uh you know you can't use it to make a make an action figure um you gotta do that in some other country uh but that's that's the way that's all shaken out over the past 40 years. Um, but there's um, there's a lot of uh, other new developments. Like, I don't, I don't know if you guys know, like, Lego is opening a factory in Virginia. There's a oh, massive factory. Um, they broke ground on that. That's going to be open in about two years. They're, um, they're preemptively 
opening a temporary packaging facility adjacent mm. to where that Lego factory will be. Um, because right now, a lot of the Legos that are created for the U.S. market are actually made in Mexico. So they mm. can ship oh. those bags up north, box them here, package them for retail. But then eventually, once the factory goes online, they'll be making them here. That's nice. this 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 person uh, just just totally <laughs> nailed it. Reaganomics at its finest. Yes, yep. that is one good <laughs> portion amazing. of that ended up going down. Um, but uh, Legos Legos business is pretty interesting because they they do what I would say is the best job of what they call nearshoring, which is setting up production close to its final destination. So, of course, we know it's a Danish company. That's where they're based. But um, they actually they opened a factory in China. But that actually makes the toys that are sold there, not sold somewhere else. You okay, know, that makes uh, sense. They, now they're opening. They did one in Mexico for North America. But now they're going to have their own thing. The U.S. will have their own thing. I think they've got wow. production in like seven countries now. Um, wow. So it kind of ends up close to that final destination. And then you get back into, we take it back full circle to the sustainability thing we talked about an hour ago, mm -hmm. cutting down on your carbon footprint by not traversing the world with a box of bricks for some kid. It's mm -hmm. going to go a couple states. You know, it's a big difference. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, overall, I, that's crazy that they're going to open that here in the United States and eventually it's all going to happen there, here, and get things probably quicker. I mean, who knows? I mean, the price of uh, Legos have gone up. I mean, for obvious reasons, I was just looking at the uh, Fast and Furious, I'm trying to think Brian O'Connor skyline that just came out 2497. I was like, Holy moly. These things used to be like, I think 20 bucks, maybe a little under that. But then again, I'm not a big Lego guy. Mike son is, mm -hmm. he likes Lego Transformers. Those are his thing. My thing is superheroes, action figures, whatnot. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I've got, uh, I, um, I have a couple Lego sets here. I have the Lego Transformers. I have the Lego Optimus Prime. I still need to build. Oh, my son did just built that actually. Mister Rolando, at the chat here. So yeah, the. Uh, I think the next Lego thing that I will probably build is on the way, but not here yet. It's a Bugatti. So Ooh. I like cars. Uh, yeah. They've got a new Bugatti set that just came out. It's it's black and yellow. It just looks really cool. Um, probably do that. And then also, um, they get compared a lot, even though they're totally not the same product. I really like what Playmobil does with their vehicles. And um, I, so I've got Kit from Knight Rider over here. I've got the Ecto-1 oh, behind wow. me. Got nice. the DeLorean. I've got the A-Team van. And then if you guys haven't seen it yet, um, Magnum P.I.'s Ferrari is coming out. Oh, wow. Year. So it's got the little Tom Selleck figure in the Hawaiian shirt. Um, so that's, that's going to be coming out in a couple months. And I'm going to have to get that. Uh, because, you know, I there are certain things um, that I just have to have. And I will say the one soft spot for collecting that we didn't mention on here i'm making a night rider so i uh you know there's some hot wheels products uh, the playmobile thing was a nice surprise and i am very very slowly 
working on the fan home kit build. I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> it, it's one of those part works thing. It's a very British thing, part works, where you, you get the parts. They send you a couple every month. It's like a model kit. And you eventually oh. build this like giant, like one eighth scale vehicle. Oh. Um, Whoa. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very slowly working on kit. I was working That's on an cool. Ecto 1 from a company I was just called Eagle ask. Moss. From Eagle Moss. They went bankrupt. So that Ecto Damn. 1 will never be finished. Um, so I have, I have boxes in my garage that have scribbled on them in marker Ecto parts. And I still haven't figured out what the hell I'm going to do with those yet. Um, yeah, that's that sucks. That's uh, <laughs> that is the downside to a subscription model if the subscription right. doesn't continue. But I I have great confidence that that Fan Home will uh, follow through and finish their kit here. But as I'm as right off camera here, I'm looking at my next boxes. I need to assemble on that thing. <laughs> um, and you know, building building the Night Industries 2000. 41 years after the show premiered because that's we're awesome. all old men now right it's funny because we were just having a conversation <laughs> with Colin about Knight Rider because um <laughs> he was talking on their podcast about all these shows are getting rebooted from the 80s and how they're not that great and I think he said like oh Knight Rider has never been rebooted well actually it had been rebooted it was supposed to be a whole series it lasted one episode and they canceled it back in 98 well, I so, think that was one that was more recent than that, actually. Yeah, because Val Kilmer was the voice of kid. So that <laughs> wasn't a one and done. He was for an entire season. Was that it? Was okay, I thought it was a one. That was that was in two thousand eight. See now, well, two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah. The dork can of worms. They technically tried to reboot it three times. They well, and you could even say four. They did the the reunion movie, Knight Rider two thousand oh. in nineteen yep. in nineteen ninety. Then they did a completely unrelated, like Mad Max type of thing called Knight Rider 2010 that literally had nothing to do with Knight Rider as we know it, but they used the name and it had a car, but it was a dude clipping across the desert like Mad Max. (laughs) Then they did Team Knight Rider, which was syndicated in the late 90s. And had uh, it was like the Power Rangers of Knight Rider. It was like a team of like good-looking young twenty-somethings with their uh, with their vehicles and mm-hmm. having adventures. And then they tried That's doing the, the yeah. Then they tried doing the um, 2008 Knight Rider, which lasted one season. Val Kilmer was the voice, and it was a um, it was a Ford Mustang. But they were really chasing. That's right. The Fast and Furious and mm-hmm. the Transformers thing because the pursuit mode on the car totally looked like a Michael Bay Transformer yeah. where where it like did a whole morphing mm-hmm. thing as it drove. Um, huh. so yeah, I'll go I'll go hardcore geek dork whatever go. on Knight Rider. Because um, I, I vaguely remember that show. I was like excited. I remember seeing like probably the first couple episodes. I'm like, yeah, this is not it for me. I'm just so yeah, used to and the Hasselhoff 80s. was he was there for like an episode or two. Yeah, he was supposed to be that yeah. guy's dad. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yes, he was, the kid was the son. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but Dang. they. Uh, I don't know why they botched that so so badly. Um, just wasn't his time. I think. 
Maybe it is now. Yeah, yeah I mean, why not? Look at all this stuff that's right. coming out now. It's Night Court is back on it on NBC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't who know who asked for that, but it's there. Um, and supposedly getting good uh, good ratings from what I what I yeah, did. And Frazier but... is coming back out. Um, what? So there's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff, and I'm just like, yeah, why? Don't just well, let it go. That that 90 show is supposed to be really good. Actually, that is show is. Really? I've watched okay. a few. I'm not a huge uh, fan of sitcoms with laugh tracks. Um, but I have watched a few because I do like the nineties gags on it, but I haven't finished it. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm on I still think I'm still on episode six or something like that. So haven't finished it either, but I so f- for the most part I've enjoyed it. I'm like, yeah, this is pretty funny. Good. So what TV part. show do you guys want to see action figures of that you've never gotten? Oh man, that's going out to the chat too. What TV show? Um Man, I don't know if I watch anything that doesn't have it. Any, I could use production. more the boys' toys. <laughs> they don't have a ton of those. That sounded weird, though. Uh, man, what do you think about Carlos? I mean, they're doing what, uh, like Community and stuff like that now. Some of those NBC uh, shows, or yeah, Parks and Rec. Uh... Super Seven's doing a bunch of the three and three yeah, quarter inch stuff. That's true. Yeah, I mean um, Super Seven's doing Beastie Boys now, so I'm happy with that. Uh, I can't think of anything because for the most part, TV show wise, like it's all Disney Plus stuff that Hasbro freaking has a handle on. Um, do you know. have one, James? Um. Funny enough, if, if we're talking like a modern, like modern collectible line based on something old, um, mm. there's I one I'd be interested in that would never get made, which is Dukes of Hazard. Oh, yeah. right. They used mm-hmm. to have the old three and three quarter inch, which Mego did in the early right. 80s. And I actually, I never liked the old Mego figures, like the eight inch cloth body. Which I, I know a lot of people hold those in very high esteem, and um, you know, of course, they they're influential for the entire action figure industry. But I think because of when I was a kid, I really liked when Mego did three point seven five, and they did they did Dukes of Hazard. I actually had the General Lee, and the roof opened up, yeah. and you could put the figures inside. <laughs> oh, um, cool. And they also they also did chips around the same yes. time, and. Mm-hmm. And I think they did Love Boat, if I remember correctly. No kidding. Which, okay. which were all on shelves at essentially the same time. And they were all 3.75. And they were all in like the Star Wars slash G.I. Joe scale of the day. But mm-hmm. I, I actually think something like that would be cool now. But there's a lot of reasons why it would never happen. Um, and then at the yeah, same time, too, I wonder like how big the audience would be at this point. But at the same time, there's an audience for the A-Team Van Playmobile and the Magnum P.I. Ferrari. So, uh, you know, maybe the General and and the Duke boys could be uh, hitting the road again. Who knows? Um, mm-hmm. But that is uh, that that's one that I personally 
I think I would be into if they did it, but I um, can't really think of anything else. There are some like <clears throat> really obscure 80s stuff that like um, like lines that had toys back then that aren't really remembered as much now. Like, do you guys remember a show called The Get Along Gang? Oh yeah, it was like it was like an animated series. They had toys for that, and I had them as a kid. And uh, and they were cool. And it's like, okay, so when's somebody gonna dust that out? Because um, <laughs> you've already got like like Nacelle Company doing, um, you know, Sectors and Roboforce and Biker Mice from Mars and all of this. Somebody's gonna start going totally off to the side, and we're gonna see all these weird get along gangs and shirt tails and snorks and all You're, like, oh, yeah, snorks. Pop, where, where's the popples? You know, Munchichis. Popples had a know. relaunch less than 10 years ago and flopped after oh, did they? a year. Oh. I think Funrise made Popples. I might be wrong, but it was within the last 10 years. Okay. Um, GoBots, so so blame the weeb here mentioned GoBots. Of course, too, hey, you know, I don't know if it's a spoiler, but Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special opened the GoBots mm-hmm. door. So, Kill was on there, but technically... Aren't GoBots based on something else? That yeah, Transformers. Still exists? No, not Transformers. No, another another Asian transforming oh. robots brand that preceded. Was it like Robotech? No, but you're on the right path. Oh. Where like what we think of as Psykill and Leader One, Leader One, yeah, were called something totally different. Mm-hmm. In this other brand, I mean, very similar to the way Transformers, like you had all these different, like Japanese offshoot or you know, like Convoy, I think was Megatron yeah. or something. You know, like I, I get very confused with like the whole international variations, but they were other things before they were incorporated into Transformers. GoBots was yes. kind of like that too. It's um, all the, the <clears throat> toys that the toys that made us. They get into all that. See, now I'm going to have to rewatch that. One of my bosses is on that show. Oh, nice. Oh. <laughs> so, That's yeah. cool. So before, Jackie Breyer, like, our, our publisher. Awesome. Um, EC collecting, little Colin. So he's going back and collecting the Cowboys of Moo Mesa. So I'm surprised you haven't said that, Colin. Um, and then That's another true. big thing I keep hearing about is Dino Riders again. Like people want that back. <clears throat> um, I guess. I know this sounds probably. Too, I mean, it's not old. I mean, it's. I mean, I don't know. I really want to see an Agent of Shield line of action figures because they never. I think they did it once, and that was it. And it was just a box of two people. Because I, I love that show, and I, they just never did uh, a line of that. <clears throat> and I know, like a lot of people, had mixed reactions on that show, but I, I still love that show. And another, now you think because the more and more we were talking, I like, thought about it. Probably not a big seller, but it would be uh, action figures for the show Chuck. I used to love. Oh that yeah. Show. So. Yeah, yeah, that could work. There's, there's actually one I, I cannot, I cannot tell you what it is, but there is a, there is a current show, that's getting a figure line later this year, and I'm not quite sure, who would buy it. Hmm. Put it that way. Um, One that's going to be interesting to watch is going to be show. Current show, okay. 
Okay. The current that could be show. anything. Yes, it is a current <laughs> show that she does speaks. not seem toyetic in any way. Let, let me, she Hulk. Let me, let me she even Hulk. add that to it. No, but that's th that is toyetic by nature. Oh, there is a right. show. There is a show out there that I do not see as being toyetic at all, even even on a collectible side. But I do know it's getting figures later this year. So maybe maybe after it's officially revealed, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll like the day it's announced, I'll like ping you guys and say this is what I was talking about, and it'll make total sense. I'm but, calling okay. now. Real Housewives of something. <laughs> I would be surprised, honestly. That could be an easy Barbie line. Jeez. <laughs> Somebody says the view. The view. Oh, so. so yeah, Street oh, Sharks would be another one. I would. I would actually like to see a, a revamp of Street Sharks. I don't think you're going to get Dino Riders. I think that the no. uh, the little Dino Riders thing that Entertainment Earth did a, a year or two ago was probably um, the stealth testing the waters deal. And I, and I also believe um, I, I don't know if you guys remember this, the toy story that time forgot, I think was a, was a, was a soft testing the waters of dino riders. Hmm. Um, do you guys know that? Did you watch that special? Yeah, that was, um, was it an ABC special? Yes, it's on Disney Plus now. Yeah. Take 30 minutes, watch Toy Story that Time Forgot. Even if even if you're not into Dino Riders, if you love toys, which obviously you do, you will appreciate why when I tell you to check that out. Um, but uh I believe that those toys, which were made by Mattel, no less, mm -hmm. um were potentially a hint of planting the seeds for Dino Riders, and then it never really, never mm. really happened. That's so, too bad. Um, when you imagine Trixie, the Triceratops from Toy Story, outfitted with armor and weaponry, right? Um, you know, but there's more to it than that. So worth a watch if you haven't seen it already. And I do have some of those toys somewhere in this house because uh, they were cool. That's on your list, Todd, to watch that. No, I remember. I remember watching that, but you got it. It's yeah. I, I had a feeling. <laughs> I expect a full <laughs> report. You got it. Yeah, he'll he'll do it too. If you ask him, he'll do it. <laughs> I I, I want to see the I, I want to see the overgrown third graders podcast toy story that time forgot special that go. uh, goes through this and then revisits the Mattel toy line that uh, was in stores for about a year following that special. Uh, I, now, now I'm tempted to look and see what those go for on the secondary market. They actually had some really cool toys come out from that line. There's some ones that are very, very pricey. Um, I don't know. You watch Froggy Flips on YouTube by chance? Nope. No. So he's a he goes to flea market, not flea well flea markets and yard sales, and he ended up uh, finding some. There's some like auction wherever he lives, and he bought a bunch of vintage. TMNT on card mint, and I was just like, "How is that even possible to be that mint?" And then Dino Riders, some I can't think it was a Brontosaurus, maybe I can't remember playset. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't. I think it was missing a couple things, and 
even the little things that was missing there were there were like 80 to 100 bucks just for those pieces because he's a completeness so he likes to complete everything and then sell it flip it and he's all easily make you know 1500 bucks if not more off this and he paid for everything i, I think he paid under a grand and i was just like holy crap <laughs> so yeah the dino rider stuff is very collectible i didn't even know it was that collectible i mean yeah. i have friends that are asking me hey have you seen this i'm all dude I haven't seen that stuff since i was a kid let alone where i live like maybe if i got lucky went to a yard sale and found it it's not gonna be complete but yeah it's it's crazy crazy not that so um i think that's all the time we have because i know cool. it's two hour two two and a half hours almost so we want to keep you very long uh if you guys have anything <laughs> in the chat Feel free to put it in there now. Uh, if not, we're going to end the show. We're going to let James get to work because yep. he's the guy that never sleeps. Sounds like me. Maybe. It's it's ten nine. It's ten nineteen here. Um, I, I will go make an appearance to the family, let them know that the guy that uh, lives in the office downstairs uh, is still around <laughs> and uh, all of that good stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's been very cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, we appreciate you being on. Thank you. Lassoing me to uh, come on here. But uh, all good, and uh, it was a fun chat. And I, as you can see, I can talk toys all. Oh yeah, I'm, we're all for that. So um, check out toybook.com and uh, yeah, get get all your everyone, industry news fix. Everyone, go uh, follow this gentleman and subscribe to the toy book. Besides that, um, we'll we'd like to have you on uh, again sometime this year. So I'll reach out to you again. And we'll have you back on and we could talk more toys and what's going to, what we're going to see in the fall, or whatever. Maybe we'll talk about that in the summer. But yeah, we appreciate you coming on again. And uh, that is it for tonight. So thank you everybody for showing thank up. Thank you. Late. We appreciate all you guys' support and love. And uh, that's it. So we'll see you guys next Thursday, not Wednesday, next Thursday with Gabba the Giver right. from the Stream Squad on YouTube. So, until then, peace. Later. Later. If I if I have the hand not framed up, it looks like I'm doing something else. So <laughs> I got to get the horns properly properly framed. But there take care, go. guys. See All ya. right, guys. Bye. Yay!